0: Turtles are just rocks that have mastered the power of positive thinking. So just imagine what you could become if you just believe hard enough. Welcome to the Crypto Naturalist. (laughs) Foot is barking like an over-caffeinated chihuahua at a squirrel convention. Ugh. Maybe not the warmest welcome I've ever broadcast on my show, but truer words were never spoken, and truth is the foundation of my business. Your intrepid narrator sustained a bit of an injury this week, but as Shakespeare said as he was being carried off the stage by an army of angry badgers, The show must go on. Let me just get situated. Alright. I got my injured foot elevated here on my lichen-covered studio table, and I'm keeping the swelling in check with a wriggling tube sock full of icy arctic vortex beetles. Don't worry. They like confined spaces, and I'll return them to their polar stopping ground before they even have a chance to be homesick. But enough about me, let's get down to business. Walt Whitman once wrote of a patient, noiseless spider. Today, we focus on a loud, impatient spider, the elephant spider of the liminal desert, a rare jewel of an arachnid, and an outright insult to physics and physiology in general. Now... I see a lot of buzz on the crypto-naturalist forums about the difficulties some folks have faced in reaching the Liminal Desert. Well, here's some advice. Don't expect it to be easy. The Liminal Desert is an in-between place. You quite literally can't get there from here. And yet, if you just travel long enough, you'll find yourself there anyway. Now, you might ask, how long is long enough? How many lonesome miles? Well, friend, that's not for you to decide. Determining when you arrive is the desert's prerogative. I can understand your frustrations, but comfort yourself with this. The best moments and places in our lives often come to us uninvited and unexpected. Plus, few places worth visiting are accessible through a shortcut. I guess that's enough preaching. The point is, I can't give you directions, just an account of my own journey. I arrived in the liminal desert at about four in the morning, while on a disturbingly narrow road overlooking some dark sheep pasture and a sprawling olive grove just north of Florence, Italy. I was just starting to nod off, the gentle purr of Cassandra's autopilot indicating that she no longer trusted me to drive, and then BAM! Blinding white light assaulted my tired eyes, and I was stomping the brake in an arid scrubland with a scalloped line of crimson dunes marching along to my west. A few ochre rock formations stood tall ahead of me, and the dark silhouette of stunted trees in the distance stitched the hazy blue sky to the land. As you can imagine, I was wide awake in a heartbeat, and utterly disoriented from departing the Italian countryside in a splintered instant. Speaking of utter disorientation, how about a little fiction? It's time for our Hidden Lore segment. Today's Hidden Lore comes to us from Jamie Lackey, a flash fiction piece called Joining the Flock. I dashed into the woods. The trees swayed overhead. Thin leaves and sturdy branches and Spanish moss moving as one. I couldn't see the birds. I couldn't hear them either. But I knew better than to hope that I'd escape them. I stumbled and fell into thick loam. The scent of rich dirt and rot filling the air. I scrambled back to my feet and kept moving, deeper into the forest, away from the open sky. There was a cave ahead. Surely they wouldn't follow me there. Danny and I had explored the cave years ago, holding hands and urging each other around each dark turn. I couldn't think about Danny. He was one of them now. A harsh caw broke the silence. I urged my exhausted body forward, my breath as rough as the birds cry. I spotted the cave, a black smudge in the green and brown. The sound of wing beats came from everywhere. Gusts buffeted at me. I threw myself forward, scrambled along the ground on all fours. Maybe if I stayed low, maybe I could still escape. My fingers brushed damp rock, but it was too late. My body contracted and feathers sprouted from my skin. I opened my mouth to scream, but a caw emerged from my beak. We flew away together, weaving through the trees to explode up through the canopy as one. We spread out to look for the next member of our flock. You know, there's a Native American legend about crows. It says that their feathers are black and their voice is harsh because when the land was cold, a crow flew up to heaven to bring back fire for the earth but I don't think the crows in this story are the generous, selfless sort. This piece does a good job of capturing that breathless feeling of pursuit of fleeing dangers known and unknown. It also has something to say about the mob and fear of being changed without our consent. Whether we're thinking about aging or injury or a myriad of other variables, I think losing who we are is one of the most basic human fears. Change is constant, but it's not always our friend. Jamie Lackey lives in Pittsburgh with her husband and their cat. She's had over 130 short stories published in places like Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Apex Magazine, and Escape Pod. Her debut novel, Left Hand Gods, is available from Hadley Real Books. She's had two short story collections, available from Air and Nothingness Press. In addition to writing... She spends her time reading, playing tabletop RPGs, baking and hiking. You can find her online at www.jamielackey.com. I like to go barefoot into deserts, which is totally unadvisable for a thousand reasons, but I do it anyway. We all have our vices, and one of mine is a foolhardy love of feeling hot sand beneath my feet. I swear I can feel the very pulse of the land while walking barefoot over arid earth, and the risk of venomous snakes or scorpions or sharp vegetation is just plain worth it to me. I activated Cassandra's pneumatic parasol to keep her out of the sun and headed for the rock formation, an angular jumble of sandstone about the size of a baseball field. As I approached the stone, I noticed a handful of craters that resembled small meteor impacts. The craters seemed relatively fresh, no real signs of weathering or erosion, a good sign that an elephant spider was near at hand. See, the elephant spider is a jumping spider in the family Celticidae. an active hunter rather than a web weaver. It's typically cornflower blue with tan accents about the size of your thumbnail, and they aren't terribly striking at first glance. So, what's so special about today's subject? Well, I'll give you a hint. The elephant spider is also sometimes called the osmium spider, or even the neutron star spider. Give up? Both of those are references to the animal's uncanny density. The elephant spider can weigh hundreds of pounds, some crypto naturalists suspect that weights can fluctuate up toward a ton. That's a tiny spider that weighs as much as a car. Moreover, evidence suggests that the spider can change its weight. A fun fact and a ridiculous abuse of the laws governing matter. A colleague of mine once got the same elephant spider to crawl across a digital scale about a dozen times. Over the course of an hour, the spider's weight more than doubled. As I approached the sandstone, there was a crack like thunder from the far side of the rocks, and I ran to investigate. I found a cloud of dust in a circle of shattered rock fragments surrounding a fresh crater. An elephant spider had just made a new burrow by tossing itself high into the air and landing with incredible force concentrated behind a tiny body. At the bottom of the crater was a black circle like a bullet hole, with a tiny blue spider face peering up at me through the dust. I defy you to show me a cuter, physics-breaking invertebrate. Assumed that the spider was laying an ambush for potential prey, capitalizing on the funnel shape of the crater to direct potential meals to the waiting fangs below. I learned that the crater was actually a prelude to mating when the second spider that I hadn't spotted crawled over my foot. The tiny bones in my foot made a noise similar to popcorn, and I howled like a horned wolf. Needless to say, I cut my observations a bit short so I could limp my way back to Cassandra. I can tell you that two elephant spiders in love sound a bit like the rattling crack of a boulder rolling down a mountainside. Sometimes, you just have to let the situation dictate the plan. That reminds me, before I started recording, I received a transmission over the crypto band radio. I swear, the new kind of radio wave we discovered during the Mothman treaties is truly remarkable. This transmission reached me even here in the liminal desert. Let's take a listen.
1: This is Cat Stone, transmitting on Cryptonaturalist Frequency 11581. I'm preparing to depart the Isle of Croove, a tropical island off the north coast of Scotland. Those of you who dabble in seismography probably already know that the island's migratory forests are on the move again, marching down the coast with synchronised root motions that vibrate the bedrock. Obviously, that's not news but what is news is why the forest is moving outside its natural migration season. We do have a record of the forest moving to avoid a sentient lava flow in the 80s and unscrupulous lumber poachers in 2011, but the phenomenon I'm witnessing here is, as far as I know, entirely new. A dense, localised patch of ruby-throated hummingbirds seems to be targeting the trees. It resembles a thick, gold-green cloud bank and it is actively working to block sunlight from the forest. It's dark as night beneath the hummingbird swarm. Every time the trees move in pursuit of clear skies, the birds follow. I can't imagine what is motivating this kind of attack. If a mercenary crow hadn't sabotaged my biplane, I would investigate further, but I'm currently grounded. Be advised, any cryptonaturalists in the area, this is a unique research opportunity and a chance to aid one of Earth's few old-growth migratory forests. Plus, I'll owe you one. Catstone signing
0: off. Huh. Well... If I wasn't currently sitting in a transitory desert, half out of phase with physical reality, I'd go take a gander myself. As it is, I highly recommend anybody listening who has the means to go take a look. Kat is a friend and a colleague, not to mention a solid source and an expert crypto-naturalist. If she says the situation merits investigation, then it does. If I were you, I'd get on that mystery like a duck on a june bug. Ooh. Well, friends, it looks like my Arctic beetles have uh, chewed through their tube sock prison and encased my foot in ice. I guess I should do something about that. Though it actually feels pretty good. Until next time, we're all strange animals, so act like it. <laughs>
1: crypto naturalist is written and read by jared anderson to send questions poems or short prose pieces for the hidden lore segment email crypto naturalist pod at gmail.com our theme song is banish misfortune played by andrew collins for more information about andrew's music visit andrewcollinstrio.com stay curious stay wild stay weird